Hello everyone, I'm Devery and you are listening to Silencing Women in the Name of God. Today, our guest is Kim. Uh, I adore Kim, guys, I adore Kim. Uh, <laughs> I met her through a long story that you will hear about on the podcast, but Kim actually started attending church in order to fix problems in her life. Uh, she, they hadn't been super religious before. There were some things going on. They turned to church hoping for a hand up. And what she actually found was that she was being pressed further and further down with oppression and and rules and belief systems that she didn't agree with. And more so, things that she could see were actively harming those around her that she loved. She has become a passionate LGBTQ supporter. She also started honoring her passion for writing and specifically writing LGBTQ stories. Uh, she's becoming very active in the community around this, and I'm really excited you're all here to hear what she has to say. today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. I listen. So when we met up for our pre-interview, I like we hadn't seen each other in so long uh-huh. and it it wasn't like we had spent it was a few years at least. Yeah. Yes. And the time mm-hmm. when we had spent together before, it's not like we were like besties, you know, uh-huh. like let's go yep. hang out. Uh-huh. And so I just wasn't <laughs> sure how it was going to go. And I sat down and you like just started talking and saying these like amazing, <laughs> profound, like I was like, yes. So I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on today. Aww, thank um, you. Yeah. So Kim and I met, um, she actually was a member of a local church. Um, what denomination is it technically called? It was a non-denomination. So a non-denomination Christian, okay, um, and Christian what? Christian fellowship is what they called themselves. Okay, so. okay, cool. So non-denominational Christian church, um, pretty conservative base, mm-hmm. yep. um, and every year they would do a Christmas, uh, not a festival. What is it? A Christmas Christmas market. Yep. A Christmas market. So everyone would come yeah. in, sell their blankets and their, uh-huh. you know, all the other stuff. And I signed up to bring in my books mm-hmm. and Kim graciously approved my application. And I didn't realize at the time so that this I was did. a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't realize that Kim was breaking the rules by allowing me to participate <laughs> in this Christmas market. Uh, I don't think I did either. That's the thing. <laughs> I, so I write fantasy for those of you who maybe have missed that detail. Um, and this particular denominate non-denominational church had a real problem with things like Harry Potter, because 
it could be considered demon mm-hmm. worship and satanic and all of that stuff. Yeah. And so it was an interesting experience like doing, cause I did that show for a few years and, uh, Oh yeah. The, the comments would just like from one spectrum to the other of yeah. like, you know, just fear and like just trauma that I had been allowed to be there. And the year that you left was the last year I did it. Like they mm-hmm. basically told me I couldn't come back anymore. Um, cause I had a crazy man yelling at me and following me out to my car. About, I, didn't know, like, I didn't know they told you you couldn't come back. Wow. Uh, but yeah, like there were some like very nicely, like the words mm. were very carefully like set yeah. so that, yeah, they couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't actually say like, you said no, but they said no. Yeah, and then you. I did apply the next year just because I wanted to see what would happen. And oh, I didn't even get, an, I didn't even get a no. I got no response at all. Like I was completely oh. Oh my ignored. <laughs> So yes, yeah, so Kim approved the the uh, the application, and she was so excited to have me there. And she was so really was. You were yes, yes. And I just fell in love with her immediately because she was just mm-hmm. so sweet and so excited. And um and and yeah, we talked writing, we talked all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. and then COVID hit. And yes. life just completely changed for both of us because, yes. oh, at that time I would have been Mormon. And then when we got back together, neither of us were <laughs> any of the things that we were before. Right? Um, <laughs> so through the curtain to the freedom. So. We, oh, I love that. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to read um, Kim's bio really quick because she actually did some really cool things um, aside from stepping through the curtain. Like you started a whole new career, which was a huge deal. And we're going to get to that. Uh, So Kim Collingham is an Idaho native who grew up with more imaginary friends than real ones. You and me both sister. Uh, (laughs) She she is an author of male on male romance, um, an advocate for LGBT rights and a defender of four legged friends. When she isn't writing, she can usually be found lounging in her hammock or spending time with her three favorite people, her husband and two kids. Yes. So did I say that right? Is it is it just is it male on male romance or is it MM romance? As soon as I said it, I was like, oh, my God, I think I said that wrong. I think everyone just says MM romance now. I think it just okay. to be male male. But over time, everyone knows what it is now. It so just. It's OK, romance. perfect. <laughs> Excellent. And and yes, this this is a huge, huge deal also. But before we get to the MM romance, because we will, we will. Um, I wanted, I wanted to just kind of get us started and and get there in somewhat of an order. If if I can pull that off, this time. I've yet to pull it off, but maybe today's the day that it's going to happen. Okay, you're talking to another author, right? We like to go on tangents. Oh, oh it's so bad. We'll get there eventually tangents and my problem is the backstory like I'm always like hey let me tell you about this thing that happened yesterday well actually you know what in order to understand the story properly we're going to need to start in like 1872 and just like move forward from there or or I get caught in the side characters like oh I want to know more about that person too because how does that person change yeah yeah, so true. It's so fascinating and which is why we can do what we do because that's what our brains do right Okay, so you were you were raised in church, um, mm-hmm. non-denominational 
Christian. Uh, right? I was raised in a Baptist church. Oh, you were Baptist. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you were raised in church, but when you got married, you and your husband didn't really attend a lot. No. Um, and it wasn't until there started to be some problems in the marriage. Yes. That was, then you started. We were married for about out. three or four, well, about three years. And then our marriage just hit some rough spots and we started yeah. going back to the church. We went to the one that he, he never attended church on a regular basis, but he did attend the youth group with a friend when he was a teenager. And so we decided to try that church. And that's the church that we just kind of stayed with for the next however long. And um, we went there thinking that they would help fix our problems and they did for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So the church you were at is where he had gone to youth group a couple of times. Yes. And okay. So you guys went there and can, can you tell us a little bit, cause this does actually play in um, a little bit later. Like when you guys went back to fix your marriage, what kind of advice were they giving you uh, that ended up fixing it kind of short term? Like what, what were they helping you with? Well, for my husband, they were telling him how to, how to act really. And how, how, what things he should see and what things he shouldn't see and how, what, what he should do and say. And for me, they were basically telling me the same thing, but they were telling me that I had to do it under my husband. They were telling me that I had to be the better wife and I had to be the better person. And I had to put other people's needs in front of my own. And I just struggled with that. I, I really struggled with that. It left me, um, well, what about my needs? What about, because nothing yeah. that they told me made me feel whole really right at the beginning. And, but at the same time, they were also painting this picture, this beautiful picture of what we could be if we followed these rules. Mm. They painted this, this image of a whole perfect family with, I want to say the white picket fence, you know what I mean? Like they just, they yeah. put this picture in front of my face with what, what love could be, what our kids could be and what our kids could do in the world. And to get there, we had to act a certain way. We had to be a certain way. We had to wear the certain clothes. We had to attend the certain classes and all those things. Like I wanted it because I, I didn't want that pain anymore. That was the thing. I wanted, I, I didn't want to go back to what my husband and I were before we went back to the church because I was just so broken then. Um, yeah. So it was more appealing to me. And that's that's kind of yeah. why they lured me in with. Well, of course. And I think that's a really standard um, tactic, right? Like I know Mormons do that um, really effectively uh, with the, the concept of an eternal family. I mean, who doesn't want to be like, yes, I, you know, I want to be with my family forever. So um, yeah, painting the picture of this perfect, beautiful, amazing life. And of course, everyone's like, well, yes, I want that. Why, why would we say no? Like, who's going to be like, no, thank you. Like I pick misery. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then of course that that's the business of the organization is okay. So here's your prescription, right? Here's your prescription Mm -hmm. pad. Um, there's no wiggle room in this prescription pad. Like here is how you get there. And for you, and you you said this, I just want to kind of recap what you said, which is for you, it was, put any needs you have down because those are, I assume selfish mm-hmm, and, and exactly. selfish isn't Christ-like, right? Yes, exactly. And then in order to smooth out your marriage, just be a better 
wife. Would that be an appropriate summation of what? (laughs) Just be a better wife. Okay, so here's my question for you. And I think that this will be something that a lot of people are going to wonder. You said that um, it worked for a while. Mm -hmm. What did you change that made it work? And what did it do to you in order to make it work? Does that make sense what I'm it does. Um, okay, it perfect. worked because I realized um, to make my husband happy, I have to do the things that make my husband happy. So I had to surrender what I wanted to give him mm-hmm. what he, he needed, wanted. And it worked because it was making him feel better. It was making him feel more whole. And I thought I was doing it right because of mm. the changes between us. So I thought yeah. I was on the right path. And yeah. if it if it looks like it's it's working, then it must be the right thing, right? Right. Right. <clears throat> so. You know, it's funny, I just had a conversation with my daughter. Um, there was a a person in her life and she was like, I feel like this person used to be okay with me, and now this person is mad at me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Well, honey. Do you, do you really not know why that is? And she was like, no. And, and I was like, sweetie, it's because you used to be really easy to manipulate. You were a people Mm -hmm. pleaser. You didn't say Mm -hmm. no to anyone. You just went along. And I have worked for years to break you of that little habit because (laughs) I needed her to find herself. Right. And you can't find yourself when it's like whatever you want. And so (laughs) you're, you know, you're stepping into that and you are now saying no. And it makes the other person very uncomfortable because they liked it better. The church doesn't like you being uncomfortable. They want you to conform. Yes. Yes, because then no one has to face their own discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. No one has to be like, wait a second, why am I actually happier when someone else is erasing themselves, right? Why does that make me feel better? That that shouldn't be a thing, right? So this, and if I I ever um, put words in your mouth, like if I, so like this erasing (laughs) of yourself, if I apply this to you, which I'm about to, which, which I'm about to. If, if, if you don't feel that that's appropriate, please always, always tell me like, that's not really how I felt. So, um, so you, yeah, silence yourself. You started to erase parts of your personality and parts of what, you know, choices Mm -hmm. that you would make in order to make your husband more comfortable. Um, and it worked short term because of course it did, because who doesn't like another person being like, whatever you want, like I will do everything in my power to not make you uncomfortable. Um, but what then was the cost to you as time started to like march on? I felt like I was giving up some, like giving away my basic needs. I felt like I was lost. I felt like Mm -hmm. over time, I didn't know who I was anymore. And yeah. there was, there was just this gnawing feeling. I can't describe it any other way. There's this gnawing feeling in my chest. Like I was just, I was empty and I needed that. It was like a, like a bug, you know, like just crawling at me and I needed to let it out. Mm-hmm. And the only way yeah. I could was to face what was eating me and what was eating me were all these restrictions, all these rules and expectations. Yeah. It was the mask. Yeah. It was the mask that I had to wear. So Right. I had to shut it. So people will say, 
because I've had it said to me, okay, well, that just means that you're selfish. So what would you say is the difference between self-care and self-honoring and selfish? Like, do you have an answer for these people? If you're selfish, you're doing it regardless of what other what happens to other people. But if it's self-care or self-honoring, what you're doing will eventually help other people in your life. Because if you make yourself better, that's going to ripple out and make other people want to be better. Yes. So, oh, I'm so. That I is was, the big difference. Listen, my toes were crossed that that was going to be the direction you took that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Cam. I know you. Um, <laughs> No, it's exact. I think it's beautiful because it's so true. Like Mm -hmm. when you honor yourself, your ability to impact the world around you is magnified by a thousand in like the best way possible. And, and your impact on the world will be more significant if you're authentic with yourself. If you're doing it based on what other people say you should do, then the ripples aren't going to go as far. They're just not going to be as deep and impactful. So you have to be you to make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had someone say something to me this week and it was really interesting. Um, So she had left the Mormon church. Like, I mean, a long time ago, like she's been out since she was a teenager and we're about the same age. And, uh, we met up again. I hadn't seen her in years. We met up for coffee and she's very much a like live and let live kind of personality. Like it's just like whatever you want, which is beautiful and great. Um, but (laughs) she was like, I really like if people want to stay going, you know, to the Mormon church, like whatever, if it makes you happy, like, I don't care. She goes with the exception of two people and you were one of them. And I was like, really? Like, why? And she was like, Debra, she's like, I could see it in your eyes, the pain that you were in. Like, you were destroying yourself to try to be this person that you my were husband, not. My husband said the exact same thing to me when I started really? when I started breaking all this stuff down and like re like reteaching myself how to be myself he was saying you know what I I thought we were in this place but really this place was hurting you more than it was helping you so hearing him say that hearing him acknowledge that it gave me even more power it gave me more motivation to continue working to break all this stuff and break the chains and be me so yeah well, of course it did because everyone around you was telling you that you were being selfish and you were wrong. Right, right. Yeah. So to have him supporting me, yeah. saying, "I know you're going to change, but I'm still going to support you and I'm going to love you because I, you're you. I love you." So I yeah. needed that. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. and what a gift! Because honestly, not everyone gets that gift, yeah. and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that you got it because yeah. a lot of others in your life is not, have not been able to ones. give that to you. <laughs> Oh, he's one of the good ones. Oh, I'm so happy. And I think, (laughs) you know, really that speaks so loudly to what I think we all need to be looking for in a relationship. And that is Mm -hmm. a relationship where the other partner loves you enough to want you to grow instead of wants you to keep them comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's beautiful that he had the comfortable and then was like, you know what? It's better to see you like blooming. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay. So when one of the things you said to me when we first sat down that I was like, <laughs> hold on, let me get my notebook. Um, you, <laughs> you said, I can't love the church and hate myself. Yes. Tell yeah. us what you meant by that. So during this time when I was at the church, I was wearing the mask. I was being all these things. I was being the person that they wanted me to be. But like I said, I had that hole on the inside and it was the hole of depression. It was the hole of anxiety. It was the hole of just not feeling like I had a purpose, even though the church told me I had a purpose. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. Like I, I felt like, well, there's something wrong with me because this isn't fulfilling to me. So I had to break that down and over time, like it became, so I had to start being honest with myself is what it was. The things that the church was asking me to do weren't making me happy. So I had to question what were the things that made me happy and the things that made me happy were the things that the church was saying was wrong, writing romance and standing up for the beliefs that the church were saying were sinful. Those were the things that woke me up in the morning and kept me going. And so I had to break this down and realize like, I can either choose to continue down this path the church wants me to go of living this way and doing these things that they want me to do, or I can fulfill what my heart is telling me to do. The things that have been on my heart since I was young, really, with these romance stories, because the the LGBT stories, they've been on my heart since I was little, like since I was younger than a teenager, really. So I had to, I had to break that down and say, I can't love myself if I'm going to be this person that I'm not I had to say no to that to say yes to myself mm-hmm. so yeah mm, you know I think that um I think it ties right into the next thing that I had quoted you on here um and you said I wouldn't be struggling this much if it was true yeah and I think that's very very profound yeah. and it's a hard yeah. hard question to it turn is. around and it face is. Because the church wants you to just go by faith. Like, well, I'm telling you this, so just believe it. But right. But if well, I feel struggle, empty, I'm going to question it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the struggle, I think, is written into the doctrine, right? It's like, right. well, if you aren't struggling, you aren't doing it right. right. So, like, yes, happy picket fence, but also the struggle. Like, that's the point of this life. That's why the atonement was there. That's why this is right. all necessary. Yeah. And so... They already have that system in place for when you say like, hey, I'm unhappy, I'm struggling. Well, of course you are. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. That means you're and, doing it right. Yeah. And so to, to yeah, face that question and be like, well, crap, I, this doesn't make sense to me. Like that is, mm-hmm. a, that is a pure act of courage. The thing I think. that the church always said was, you're not enough. And that's why you need a savior. And that, that phrase, you're not enough that just cycled with me for so long. Like, how can I ever reach these things that the church wants me to be or that my family wants me to be or my husband wants me to be? I'll never get there. The line, it felt like the line was constantly moving and I kept having to stretch myself and give up more trying to be this person that they wanted me to be. And I just, I had to accept like, you know what, in order to be happy, in order to be fulfilled, I get to decide if I am enough. And I woke up one day and I just, you know what? Today I'm going to live like that. I'm going to live that way, that I am enough. And I got to see how it played out with my kids that day. 
they, they, they saw the difference in me. They, my husband saw the difference in me and I went to bed that night feeling different. And why is that? Because I made that decision to say, I don't need other people to tell me that I'm enough. I get to decide that. So. Oh my God. I have chills, literally chills <laughs> because that the fact that you did that and like you just woke up and you were like today's the day like I'm going to be enough today I think it's a decision like well and over time like you know the things made me challenge that all the time I still I still have to make that choice every day but when I do make that choice that that's those are my better days when I make that choice to believe that I'm enough that I'm loved that I'm safe that my I have a purpose when I make that choice it it makes a difference so it changes everything quite literally yeah, because yeah. what it what it does um my experience with this this idea and i love that you were like it's a choice because people have asked me well how and i'm like look i'm not saying it's an easy choice but it is quite literally it is a choice it yeah. is a choice you reach a breaking point where you can no longer continue yeah. Yep. And you're like, okay, fine. And I, you, you actually did exactly what I did, which is funny because I don't think I've heard anyone word it quite like this before, which is, okay, all right, I'm terrified, but I'm going to set this, like, I'm not yep. enough down and I'm going to pick up, I'm enough, but like, I can pick this other thing back up if I need to. I'm just going right. to experiment today. Exactly. I'm just going to like, exactly. see, yes, yep. I'm going to see how it feels. <laughs> um but it's safe because I can pick this and pick this other thing up like whatever I want. Um, and that, yeah, it gave me the safety net to just make the choice because I had my bridge mm-hmm. that I could run back over. Right. Exactly. Um, but but exactly what you're describing is what I started experiencing where it was like it literally changes how I respond to my kids. It changes yep. how I approach yep. friends. It like I walk into a space with a completely different energy. Yeah. When I am in that place and you when I started noticed seeing myself as whole, I would yeah. go into coffee shops and see other people as whole, even if uh, problems, that doesn't mean that they're broken. That doesn't mean that they're missing things about themselves. Yes. They're still whole. So yeah, yeah that was powerful. Yes. It was, it was yes. power. It was a change from the church's perspective of you walk into, if I were to walk into that same coffee shop under the church's belief of that person's lost, that person needs a savior. Yeah. They're missing a big piece of their life. No, they're not. They're still full. Uh, yeah. Yes. And and I love this because this is a really, there's a deeper truth here that I want to kind of pull out. And that is that um, I can't remember. Oh, I never remember where scriptures come from because we have the Book of Mormon and the Bible. So like, I remember the words, but like, mm-hmm. hell if I know where it came from. Yeah. Um, so you can tell me if this is a Bible quote or not. Uh, the by their fruits, you shall know them. Is that, do you know? It sounds have you heard familiar. that? I'm terrible. Okay. So it's probably Bible. Well, listen, if it was from the Book of Mormon, it probably would not sound familiar to you. So I'm going to say <laughs> it's probably the Bible. Um, so this idea is, is really heavily woven into how I was raised by their fruits. You shall know them. And it was a huge part of my exit because of exactly what you're saying right here. I was mm-hmm. like, but I am happier. I feel better. But in addition to that, I love more. Exactly. I, yes. 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 Not just yeah. me. It's going out to everyone <clears throat> else. And this love that I'm feeling is something I could not reach because of exactly what you're saying. This pity and this oh these poor lost you can't love something that you're pitying that's exactly only pity yes exactly yep yeah oh i love it i love it i love it so so much um 
And I love, yeah, that you articulated as it really is just, it really is just a, a choice. Um, mm, and that actually kind of goes into this next thing. I'm glancing at on the page where uh, you said the church thinks it's love, but it's really shame. It is. It is shame. Like if the church is telling you how to live, if they're telling you that you can do these things or you can't do these things, but those very things give you joy and those very things um, make you happier, then that's shame, you know? And the church is, they want you to, to fit their motive is what it is. They want you to be the person that they're trying to build and if you don't fit that, then they're just looking down on you. You're a disappointment to them. So the love that they're trying, they're saying that if you come into our safety net, you're, if you come into our church, you're going to be loved, but you have to be the certain way. You have to, um, you know, wear the mask or whatever. And if you don't, then shame on you. Yeah. And, and, and what's worse is that if you accept that, if you embrace that over the years, you take that same philosophy out into the world. You don't love people. You look on them as shame or petty, like you said, and you put them down too. They teach you to look at those other people that way. And oh, yeah. when I started realizing I was doing that, it was heartbreaking because I just wanted to love people. I didn't want to hurt them, but here I was yeah. judging them too. So it yeah. was hard. Absolutely. It was hard, to, hard to unlearn that. Oh yeah. And the unlearning too. Like, yeah, I will still have thoughts pop in that I'm like, what in the actual, <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. but it, it's, it's, it's so much unlearning. So I want to, I want to ask you, I love everything that you've said so far. Um, but because we are, you know, hitting points and, and doing this for a podcast, you know, we're hitting on all of the inspirational, beautiful things, which yay. Amazing. Um, but was what was this journey out like for you in reality emotionally? Like, because I know <laughs> we woke up, we made a choice, excellent, and then uh, I'm pretty sure was, reality kicked in. <laughs> it was terrifying. It was terrifying. I realized if I'm going to turn away from the church, if I'm going to say no to everything that they've taught me to believe, that means I have to turn away from our very strong group of friends because I can't follow my dreams and still be around them. They're just, they're going to give me that shame. They're going to, they're going to make me feel terrible inside because of it. I had to give that yeah. up. And they had been our friends for 10 years. Ugh. Our kids were friends with their kids. And it just, it gutted me. It pushed me into depression. It pushed me into loneliness. And honestly, I still struggle with those things. I still, I have a couple of good people in my life, but it's not, the core group that the church is so good about providing for you. Yeah, <laughs> they really are. The church, they, they encourage the youth groups, they encourage family groups and Bible studies. And that's where you make, that's where you make your family outside of your family, you know? And yeah. I knew I'd be walking away from that if I were to embrace who I really am. And it left me raw. That's the only way I could describe it. It really did. It left me raw and terrified and lonely and I questioned myself, I questioned, am I really going to do this? Or like, as you said, am I going to pick up that box again and cling to it because it's familiar, because it's safe, but it's also not fulfilling. <laughs> it's empty. Right. That box is empty. And I want the one that gives me a purpose. So right. I had to face that. I had to say, I'm going to embrace the loneliness for a while and trust that I can still find a group of friends later. I can still find that. So Yeah. Uh, 
Thank you for sharing that because it is, it's, it's the reason that a lot of people don't turn around and look at what's chasing them. Right. And yeah. look at like what's crawling inside of them. I can't remember how you worded it. Something about crawling. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, you, you don't turn and look at it because you know, the cost, yeah. you know, it's going to cost, like the cost is so high yeah. that it, it, you really, I think a lot of people <clears throat> will have to reach a point of desperation before they're willing to yes. pay it. Yeah. I even yeah. have some family members and extended family and stuff that have seen me the last few years and they just question like, who are you now? <laughs> I don't know you, but yeah, you know I have, to, I oh have my... to realize it's okay if they think can, that. Can you share, <laughs> sorry, I totally interrupted you in my excitement to like what I wanted you to tell everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we talked about this um, because Church, a lot of churches, uh, yours did, mine did, have this concept of the inner, like the Christ light that you can mm-hmm. see through your eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And that when you lose, like when you leave, you lose that, and that it's it's not only uh, you know a travesty for the individual, but that it's it's visible to the rest of the world. Yeah, they call it a darkness. Yeah, and yeah. So, so you were telling me about how, like, you know, you're experiencing this this new level of happiness. Your husband is noticing. Your children are noticing that you are just a better person, right? Mm-hmm. And then you had a family member notice that there was something different about you. Mm-hmm. And instead of attributing it to what other people in your life who love you and spend time around you have attributed it to, he actually says to you something about um you look different it's because you don't have he basically said i don't have the light anymore and yeah i can't i can't share that light anymore and you know what that's total crap (laughs) yes (laughs) because the light i had inside me was a false light and now it's a real light and yeah just because he doesn't see that doesn't mean it's not authentic. So, right. Well, and I I will put forward a a hypothesis. Um, this is my belief system here. This is not something that's taught anywhere. Um, I'm not saying that this is Kim's belief system. Uh, this is just something that I've noticed, and what I think is happening in these situations because I had a similar um, experience where. I, I literally have people still to this day will like, look at me and they, they almost jolt a little bit and they're like, Oh my God, like you're so bright. Like you are just like glowing. And it's, it's, it's happiness. You know, it's, it's happiness. Yeah. It's a spirituality. Yeah. I think it's a lot of things, but, um, people who believe very, very strongly that my leaving my religion would mean that I lost that mm-hmm. can't reconcile what they're seeing because what it would require to have that reconciled is that they would have to admit that that teaching was incorrect which then calls their faith into question and they are not ready to do that and so they have to tell them literally tell themselves a lie and that's the cognitive dissonance that comes in, right? They literally they're, have to. They're taught the only way to be joyful is to be in the church. That that right. joy comes from the church. So they don't want to believe that outside of it, you can still achieve that level of happiness. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I would take it a step further and say it's it's less 
like that they don't want to and more that they they really can't yeah. because it, it it is the equivalent of saying like hey just like jump off this cliff yes there's, you don't have a parachute yes there's fire at the bottom but like you're gonna be fine and they're like yeah. no thank you <laughs> yeah. you know yeah so yeah it's like it's you know and and really what we're asking of of them and i and i want to give grace here because I think it's important to to understand where the um, hangups are coming in for our family and loved ones, because it'll still hurt, but it yeah. maybe will hurt a little less and it, you know, it allows us to pro- approach them with a little more love. But, um, you know, f- for them to say, you know, Kim, like I, wow, you just are the happiest I've ever seen you. Yeah is literally them saying, you know, maybe everything that I thought about what would happen when you left was wrong, which Mm -hmm. means maybe what I believe is wrong. wrong. And we took years to get there, right? We took years of our own time of like, wait a second, wait, this doesn't feel right. And that doesn't feel right. And then we're expecting them to be able to make that same jump in five seconds. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's not a fair thing yeah. to ask of anyone to yeah. be able to just flip when they're not ready. So I think it's I wanted to bring it up because I know it's going to happen to people. I know it has happened to a lot of people. And I also know that it causes a lot of anger and resentment and pain, mm-hmm. which is fair, mm-hmm. which is fair. But for me, that was something that eased my pain a little bit was to actually yeah. like sit and understand like, Oh, this is what I'm really asking of these people. And that is yeah. not something yeah. I even asked of myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But still so, so painful. So painful. It really is. It's, it's hard to accept that your path is walking away from people that love you or support you. So Yeah. Well, not, not necessarily walking away, but I mean, well, in some cases you do, but, but you have to make a choice to not embrace them the same way, I guess. So. Well, I, you know, and I, I think that's part of what makes this, this exit so hard. Um, I had an issue with a, a friend and I had to put some boundaries down and boundaries. Yes. Those are, those yes. Are Yes. And it was really hard and really scary. And I cried a lot. And her response was beautiful and lovely and very gracious. Um, But one of the things that she said, she was like, I feel she's like, I'm a little frustrated because this feels like a goodbye, a goodbye letter. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and I messaged her back and I was like, it does feel like a goodbye letter because for me to put in boundaries and for me to make the choices that I was going to make, what I had to do was I had to accept and process the fact that I could lose you over this. Yes, exactly. That this, yes. And so I had to kind of work through some of that grief beforehand in order to have the courage to set a boundary yeah. down and to make changes. And, and it, 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 that it's a very painful thing. And, and you've already said, yeah. like, that's part of what you did, right? I'm going to lose my friends. Yeah. I might lose yeah. my family. I lost yeah. a whole core group of friends and they were, they were my support for a long time, especially through all of our marriage stuff. They were our, my support. We saw each other on a weekly basis, sometimes multiple times a week. And here I am saying, I'm going to walk away from that support. So 
if anything comes up, who am I going to turn to? Like, I still have two very, very close friends that I can turn to and they're always there for me, but it's losing that big group though. It felt like I was, it was scary. It really was. I don't have words for it. So yeah, absolutely. And I miss them. That's, that's the hard part. Like I still Mm -hmm. miss them, even though I know I can't go back because I won't be accepted. (sighs) I know that. And it leaves me with a hole, but to get whole, I have to also (laughs) walk this path. So. Yes. Mm. I love that. A lot of times the path that we have to walk, walk to get whole is not very well lit at times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really uh, like uncomfortable rambles. And it's rugged and, and you're going to get cut and you're going to walk through thorn bushes and you will get scars. Yeah. Yeah. But. So why, why, why is it worth it? Because now I have a purpose. Now I feel like every morning I wake up and I have a drive that I didn't have before. I know that the things that I'm doing, the church told me that if I did them before, they were going to destroy lives. And I know in my heart, that's not true. I know in my heart, I have, I'm using my words to help people to change lives, to change the world in a way, because I'm creating a safer place for people with my words yeah. and that gives me purpose. So. So let's 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 go into that. Let's let's get to the writing. Um you wanted to do this for a while and I I really I would love the whole story here. So like why <clears throat> you didn't and why this was so bad. Um because aside honestly aside from the LGBT part which of course is not acceptable in the Mormon religion no matter who tells you that it is. Yep. Um <laughs> we we love them we just can't you can't get married or you know like act on any normal human urges um but so aside from that writing is not a problem like it is not something that is frowned upon uh but for you it was both so the lgbt and the writing and so like so let's go into that whole path um that you that you took to get to the point and why you feel so passionate about what you're doing So I knew even as a kid that I wanted to be a writer. I remember (laughs) even when I was like barely learning how to string sentences together, I would create stories just right off the bat. And I remember when we took our our trip up to Montana one time where my my mom's family was, I took this notebook with me and I filled this entire notebook with this big old long story and it was beautiful and glorious. And I tried to get family to read it and some of them just, okay, that's cool. (laughs) They didn't want to participate in it. And I'm like, this is a big thing to me. Why can't you see it? And I kept fighting that my whole life. And and then I get to my now, like Would you say that was a religious thing or just a parental? Just a um, just a just their personality. Like my 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 family didn't really grow up with a lot of um they didn't put a lot of value in entertainment things like movies and mm-hmm. books and stuff like that. So for me to have this big old imaginative world where I have more imaginary friends than I do real friends, they didn't understand it. They didn't, they didn't connect with it the way I did. So they didn't value it the way like they should have as parents and encouraged me to do it. And so when I get to be a teen and I started writing even longer stories and taking creative writing classes, one thing I noticed right off the bat was all of my stories had LGBT themes in them. Even as a young teenager growing up in church where it's wrong, where LGBT is a sin, to be gay or lesbian is a sin, even all these stories were just naturally flowing out of me this way. 
Yeah. And now would you at the time or now or at any point, did you consider yourself LGBTQ no. or? No, I just had a heart I, for I, it. Yeah. yeah. I had a close friend in grade school and junior high. His name was Greg. I remember him so clearly and I wish I knew what happened to him. Um, but he knew from a very, very young age that he was gay. And I, I just remember hearing his story and seeing his struggle and just constantly questioning, like, if this is real to him, why doesn't the church accept it? Because a kid this young is not going to choose something that's, you know, immoral or sinful or whatever. And it just, it even back then, it just hit me like, something's wrong here. <laughs> so right. in the teachings, right. in the teachings, so... I don't know if it was him or just other friends that I had in my life that, or just, just my heart, like I said, for the, for the community, but I just kept writing those stories and kept writing them. And I finished my first manuscript when I was like 17, I think. And I went to a family member and asked them, Hey, can you help me get this published? Can you um, read it? And that person looked me right in the face and said, why? There's no purpose. Why? It gutted me. It totally gutted Mm -hmm. me. I'm like, this has been in my heart since I was little. And yeah. now you're telling me words don't have value. There's no purpose. Yeah. And so was the no purpose I'm, cause I actually have not asked you this. I don't think, um, was the no purpose there because again, just like there's no value in entertainment and that was just the, you know, familial type of mindset or was it women don't do stuff like that or like, where it was more, that came from? it was more, um, the one thing that always was on my heart was the writing. And here I am getting all these messages from people who are supposed to love me saying that if you write your, your stories are not going to go anywhere. They're not going to make a difference. So I felt like the very core value, the very thing that's in my heart to do. Yeah. Didn't have, didn't have a place in the world. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So you, at that point, well, it wasn't necessarily stopped. a women thing. It was just a, a an upbringing thing, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah. So, did you stop writing immediately after that experience, yes. or yeah. okay? I didn't write again for for eleven years. Actually, I I wow. destroyed that manuscript, and I didn't write again for eleven years. Uh, and then, all of a sudden, walking through all the, I, that's when I started to walk through all this with the church. Um, because I was feeling empty and I was feeling hollow and slowly that need to write came back to me and I started journaling and then my journaling turning into creative stories and those creative stories were way more healing for me than any prayer session or any church session or anything like that those characters healed me and that's when I said you know what I need more of this and that's when I started writing more and then back then those weren't um the gay romance stories they were it was two best friend girls who had magical powers and I wrote that story for a couple of years so it didn't really go anywhere but I, I clung with it because it was so just writing in general was so important to me yeah and then and then I met a friend who completely changed my life <laughs> um and that's where I kind of got pulled into the LGBT community with the books even more and I started reading more and more and all those things from my youth came back and those hooks are back and it's it's not a bad hook it's a good hook it's my purpose it's it's that 
thing that's going to pull me forward. That's, that's the only way I could describe it. It's a hook that's going to pull me forward. And so I started reading those and I started testing the waters, fighting all these negative thoughts. Um, because what I'm writing is bad. What is what it's sinful, and I'm gonna make other people sin, and I'm gonna cause you know other people pain if I write these stories. I had to work through that. I had to work through that internal voice telling me that my stories that didn't have value, that and they're gonna hurt people. And I had to work through those two big things and realize no, it does have a purpose. So I yeah. don't know exactly how I did that. I don't know my process, but I just know that the more I did it, the better I felt and right. the stronger I became. So mm. I kept I leaning think in a, and leaning in. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for following an eternal compass and that's really what you did. Right. And that, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. been your whole journey has been following that internal compass and just testing. How do I feel? How does it make me feel? Yeah. Um, but this work of yours, so like honoring this desire to write uh, these stories and and starting to publish, uh, I know it was a huge part of, of your exit because it didn't go well with like the writing right. group at church, right? Um, but also you talked to me at length about the, the value in your work that you're actually seeing now um mm-hmm. and and what drives you through that can you share because you told me about um a friend of yours who is no longer with us correct mm-hmm. um and then a family member which I don't know whether or not you can share that but uh, if you could just share how you've seen that play out like the the benefit um of you stepping away from these prescribed right and wrongs to follow those that internal compass of yours how that has played out a big thing for me when I really decided to really embrace this part of me, um, I lost a friend to suicide a few years ago and he wasn't accepted for who he was and he took his own life because of it. He was gay and that really shook me. It shook me to my core. And I, and I just said, <laughs> how can, how can we teach something or embrace something that is going to make people hate themselves so much that they're going to take their own lives? How, how <laughs> I yeah. can't, I, I can't. And then I started looking to the suicide rates of LGBT and it just emphasized that need for these stories even more. It really did. It broke my heart. And, um, and then I started I need a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're all good. And if, you know, if you don't want to be emotional, you don't need to be, but you absolutely can be Yeah. because you are not the only person that's going to have walked through this experience, you know, and that's part of why we're doing it. So share whatever you want to share and be however you want to be. <laughs> when I started writing these stories though, um, and I started seeing the effects that they had, that my words had on other people. And and I started getting emails from readers saying, this sentence changed my day. This sentence changed my month. And I even have one that says, like, You're, you gave me hope in this book and you've given me courage to face some hard things that I need to face. Mm. That's why I write. <laughs> That's why I write. And no one can say that those words don't have value if that's the kind of thing that I get out of them, you know? Yeah. If that's the kind of lives I'm touching, 
no one can say that there's no value there or right. there's no purpose there because there is that person needed my words and only I can do that. So, yeah, yes, it is. It is so true. And I'm so glad that you understand that, that it's not just, Oh, they could have found it in another book. You know, it's, it's, it's your voice coming through with your word choice coming through with how you mm -hmm. set it up. Like it's a yeah. whole bunch of things that are going into that and how yeah. beautiful that you've been able to have that, um, you know, that feedback that is, is dripping in saying, you're yeah. doing good work because the voices yeah. that are nearest to you are not agreeing with that message. Yeah. It drives me forward. It makes me want to keep going. Even if people don't accept, even if people who love me don't accept it, it's still, I know in my heart, it's the right thing to do. So yeah. that's what I'm going to keep doing. Yeah. And, and for you, this is a message of love and acceptance. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is exactly what you were going for when you guys spent so much time in the church, right? Love yeah. and acceptance yeah. and happiness and peace. And now you are finding that through, and I love this so much, literally unleashing your voice. Like you're yes. doing it through the paper, yes. right? But you are mm -hmm. unleashing your voice in order to find your own yeah. joy and purpose and, and peace. And I'm learning that I can't go to other people to give me that peace or joy. Like the church <laughs> wants you to believe that I have to, I have to find that in myself. And that's, that's the biggest yes. thing. Yes. Yeah. Please, please, please explain what you mean by that and how you accomplish that. Cause you are dead on correct. So, but everyone is like, okay, but how? So <laughs> I don't know that I have yet accomplished it. It's an ongoing thing. That's the thing. Like you, you have to embrace who you are and you have to step out into that path and you have to learn how to love yourself first, because when you love yourself first, that's like I was saying earlier, that's where the ripples go out further in the light in the world. Yeah. And well, so <laughs> listen, we live in a world that tells us like, let's not even take church out of it. Although it's heavily involved, right? Like, we are surrounded constantly by messages that are like, you are not good enough. You don't, yeah. you're not, you know, skinny enough. You're not pretty enough. Pretty enough. Your, sexy your enough. skin isn't right. Yeah. You're, yeah, it's, it's, it's constantly. You're too loud. You're too angle. quiet. You're too tall. Yes. You're too short. You're too lazy. Yeah. Anything. Right. So, I mean, it is an extreme act of courage to say, screw all of you. I am good enough. enough. I am and I am enough. And I think I would love to hear how you got to that point of standing up and saying, screw all of you. <laughs> I am enough. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I have an answer because like I said, I don't know that I'm on the other side quite yet. I'm still working yeah. through. I have a lot of insecurity still. And those yeah. come back to get me. And almost every time oh, I write, yeah. like, um, it hits me in my writing. It hits me in my life still. I still struggle. But yeah, it comes back to making that choice of believing it really is what it is. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I just love knew the... that I, I couldn't be who they wanted me to be. And who yeah. they wanted me to be was an empty person. And I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, thank you. It's beautiful. 
so you when we were talking, you know, you were talking to me about how you're working through your own indoctrination, um, discovering what you actually believe, which we actually haven't really even talked about a lot. And I think it's really important. Um, but there was a time where it got really uncomfortable. Right. And you were like, this is good enough. Like, I've stepped away. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know. Like, this is good enough. I'm fine. And a friend corrected you. Mm-hmm. And she said, you have to deal with this shit. Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to us about talk to us about anything, you know, around around this situation, because I think this is going to be a very familiar. So I had, I had left the church at that point and I had decided, OK, I'm just going to embrace who I am because it feels right to me. And I had I turned my back on those people um, and I put on a face. I. I I, I literally feel like I dropped one mask and put on another one because I hadn't mm. yet worked through all the stuff. Yes. <laughs> I just made that choice. Like, okay, I'm not going to be that person, but I am going to be this person. But to be that person, I have to be this way. And I realized because of Cassie, because of my friend who just, she called me out on it because I kept struggling with the same stuff over and over. It was a broken record, honestly. Of, um. I'm not good enough. I'm, I want to be this, but I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not capable and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you need to take this further because these are things that were so ingrained in you. So taught with you that you still believe them, even though you've turned away from them, you still believe them. Yes. And it hit me like, she's right deep down. Like I've rejected it, but I still believe it. So I had to go through therapy. I had to, um, yeah, <laughs> dig deep to some of them and challenge some of my stuff. And it was not pretty. It really wasn't. Yes. <laughs> it was a rough year and a half of my life when I had to take every single belief and challenge it and say, is this true? Or is this something I was taught? Is this true yeah. about myself? And if it's true about myself, I'm going to keep it. But if it's something I was taught and it doesn't fit my heart, if it doesn't fit what I'm trying to achieve, then I need to let it go, really let it go. Yeah. And that includes um, all those things said about my writing, about it not having a value. That's, that's what I really had to work through because I couldn't, I couldn't get to the point where I was receiving those emails from those readers until I started to work through that stuff. Oh, yes. (laughs) See, and I, I'm smiling over here because I knew you had an answer. (laughs) They say fake it until you make it, but you know what? People can see the fake. They can. And if you aren't authentic, they're, they're going to spot that out and just shrug you off. So you need to, you need to work through it. So you give yourself your real self. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, I knew, I knew you had an answer for my previous question that made you so uncomfortable and you just gave it. And, and that is you put the work in to evaluate every belief about yourself right? Yeah. And just about mm-hmm. life. Um, and it's, 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 it's the perfect answer for both how to find happiness on the other side of this and how to find self-worth. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Because yeah. And so many people do this. This is very, very common. And that is um, we, we make, we go through hell and back to make the decision to leave. Right. And then yeah, I, I, your description was perfect. You just put on a new mask of like, well, now I'm not a church person. Um, exactly. But we're still pulling up all of these same stories that are that are left because right. we haven't cleaned 
them out. And the reason that we don't clean them out is because it's awful. <laughs> it is. It's, it is. I don't, oh my gosh. There were some days when I truly resented myself working through this stuff. I resented that I, I let myself get so caught up in all of it and then gets get stuck is that's the best word I could think um I was stuck there and I had to claw my way out yeah so yeah I, absolutely but then once I still got out I was still not happy with myself and I still had to work through that so yeah mm-hmm. yeah well of course not because you and you hit the nail on the head right you were still judging yourself by the same judgment system Right. That you had yeah. said, I don't believe in that anymore, but you're right. still using it. Still using it. Yeah. So I had yeah. to re- reestablish that system. Really. Is what yes. it came down to. I had to reestablish it. And I had no guidance for that other than therapy. Like, okay, let's, let's, let's rephrase this. It's like, but I don't know how to rephrase it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Right. Well, and it's, you know, it's interesting because So what I felt like, and I would be interested to know if this resonates with you or not, um, every, in the beginning stages, so it's, it's very different now. I'm still doing this. It hasn't stopped this unearthing of like, oh, Mm -hmm. look, there's another thing. Perfect. Um, but in the beginning where I, exactly what you're describing, where it was like, I don't know how to reword this, right? I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Um, part of, part of that is really learning completely new uh, narratives that we haven't even been exposed to. And that is just exhausting. Like it is so exhausting. It's really exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And to have enough faith in yourself to like walk through the fear of that rewriting, because there was a lot of fear for me of like, but what if I'm wrong? to change this belief system. Did you go through that? Yes, absolutely. I, I went through this whole period of, well, should we go back to the church? Because I shouldn't feel this dark and this, (sighs) it it went back to the person who told me like, I don't have the light. And I I was feeling that because I didn't have the freedom yet that I knew I was supposed to. But yes. really, it just came down to, I was in, I was in the in between, and I was still trying to figure it out. It doesn't mean that it's not there. It's just I was, I was depressed. I was, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, listen, I and I, I really, and I had to, I had to really like learn how to listen to my thoughts and challenge every single thought, literally, yes. because they teach you how to think. They teach you, and yeah. <laughs> you have to catch those thoughts and say, is this true to who I am? And if it's yeah. not, I need to let it go and find yeah. what is true. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm so proud of you for doing the work. And yeah. I think that what you what you said um, needs to be featured just a little bit. And that is that you felt worse before you felt better. Yeah, I really um, did. Yeah, because the church it, teaches that. They set it up like, right, you're going to yep. leave and you're going to be miserable. And then you are and you're yep. like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then you think that they're right and you're wrong and, okay, well, I need to crawl back. I need to go back to what it was because they were right. And then you're just back in the cycle again. And for me, if I would have gone back, I just would have been emptier, even emptier, I think, because I would have had 
even more shame and guilt, I think. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. The spiritual community has a word for this um, phenomenon, and I really like it. Uh, so they call this the dark night of the soul. Um, mm-hmm. And that is the time where, yeah, you have to go in. And mm-hmm. listen, here, I just want to say this for everyone. They use that in writing, too. <laughs> it's do, the dark night right at the end. That's of the true. Story. They do. Yeah, where you're getting. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, going in for the dark night of the soul is horribly painful because this yeah. is, this is what's happening. And I, I think I want everyone to be prepared for this, right? Not to be yeah. afraid of it, but to be prepared so that you yeah. don't misread what's happening. Right. And that is you have ignored everything that hasn't served you, everything yeah. that has harmed you, yeah. every part of yourself that you denied or destroyed or like pushed down, you have pretended that it wasn't there for yeah. your whole life, but it never yeah. went anywhere. <laughs> like it's still <laughs> right there. And when you finally turn around and look at that that level of darkness, it's not gonna feel good. And it has yeah. nothing to do with whether or not God is mad at you, right? And everything right. to do with you you put all that shit there and now yeah. we have to actually, yeah, Unpack exactly and- what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, nobody is doing jumping jacks at like, hey, give me more of that. Like, that's so fun. Um, But we keep doing it because there's a reward Mm -hmm. at the end. And I think personally, you can tell me what you think for me, like it really only took one or two times of rewriting a narrative or healing a trauma for me to be like, oh, oh, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. I'm not doing jumping jacks to go back in and do it again, but I'm going to it, anyway because it's yeah. worth it. I remember when I finished my first manuscript after that 11 year 11 year break without writing. There is literally no better feeling for me out there at all. None. Mm. Nothing feels as good as that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it gave me the courage to face because if that's the one thing that feeds my soul, if that's the one thing that motivates me and keeps me going, I can't listen to the voices that tell me it's wrong. Right. Because right. I need, I need to chase it. So. Absolutely. For me, I call that, um, well, I guess I don't have a really concise word for it. Surprise, surprise. Cause I'm so <laughs> concise. Um, <laughs> I, I really have this belief system and I think that, we, this is my personal where I'm at in life and no one has to get on board with this, but we all have a soul in my Mm -hmm. opinion and our soul knows who we are. Our soul knows what's the best place for us. And when we are out of line with that, we don't feel good. We feel empty. We feel hollow. And, and what that really is, is ourselves trying to help ourselves by being like yo this is not a good place for you (laughs) and when we fall into our purpose and our power and our mission and like whatever verbiage you want to put behind this for you it was writing these healing stories right when you Mm -hmm. fall into that your soul is like yes Yes. See how nice that feels? (laughs) This is good for you. (laughs) Yeah. You know? 
I fell into that lake. Like it just, it literally felt like just cooling water, just washing all this junk away because I felt like I could breathe finally. It yes. really did. And there's yeah. no way to describe it. And it, and you're still, and here, so I know because we've talked and you've said some things in this interview as well, but like you're using that rudder system still, like you're testing things against this, yeah. your soul response of like, yes. does that feel it. nice? Nope. No, it does not. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Back over here. Yeah. But yeah. you're finding it. And I think that it's yeah. so powerful and you are such a wonderful example to those Thank around you. you. Yeah. And such a light in the writing community and, and offering the stories that you do is such a gift. Um, so one last question before I let you go. I love really, and I love this in your example specifically, like you quite literally found your voice all the way. Right. And you're using mm-hmm. it, which we mentioned. Yep. How has this impacted your family like your, your husband, your children, like your family unit, how has this impacted all of you? It has completely changed my family. And my husband is still working through finding his, his way. I, I can, yeah, I'll just say it that way. He's finding his way. But my kids have seen the changes in me and my daughter especially is really, she's recognized the importance that I'm I'm putting in my words and recognizing the importance of what that's doing for the community. And she's finding her voice in that too. And she's realizing even at her age, she has a voice in her that can change other people's lives. And she, she's finding power in that. And that's encouraging to see. Yeah. And I know like she, she, she has so much authenticity about her and more than I ever did at her age. That's for sure. And it just, it, she wouldn't have had that if we stayed. She would right. not have had that if we stayed because we would have been so involved in all the, the youth activities of the church. And she would be just, I don't even want to think about what she would be. Yeah. She's so real and authentic. And I just adore that about her. And my son too, he's, he's stepping into it. So. Oh, beautiful. You gave them. That, just knowing that they're, they have that freedom to be who they are because. Yeah. I'm letting myself have that freedom too. So. Right. Your, get your walk through this is giving them permission to honor themselves. And that is mm-hmm. so beautiful. Yeah. So important. Yep. So beautiful. Thank oh, you. you're amazing. Do you want to, before on, on our way out, I did see on Facebook um, a project that you're working on, and I think it's beautiful and could be mirrored in a lot of communities. Would you like to kind of share what you're doing with your, did you call it Wolfpack? Is that what you're calling it? Uh, pride pack. So my pride husband and pack, I, yeah. pride pack. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about, it's not in the works or we haven't really done much with it, but we're talking about making a community in or a, a teen group in our community for LGBT kids, because we realize there's a need for it to be safe and we want them to have a place where they can go and just hang out and be authentic and be real and just know that they're loved. That's all that matters is that they're loved, yeah. really loved for who they are. So we yeah. Wanna, it's just going to be a fun thing where we play games and go to movie nights and things like that. So, see, and I I love this because you you mentioned several times in this interview um, how difficult it was for you to leave the community, yeah. and you are recreating that in a healthy manner yeah. for LGBTQ kids um, yeah. to have that same place. Ah, uh, 
Beautiful, beautiful. Thank <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for coming on today and talking yep. to me. I know it's Thank a you vulnerable. For having me. Absolutely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider taking the time to like, rate, review, and share. Let's make sure that when someone clicks on this podcast, that our voices are the loudest. Love you all. There once was a woman who lost her way. She wandered through thickets and thorns. They told her her pain was not but the price of finding her soul again. Silent, she was silent, but she'll carry her pain no more. Silent, she was silent, but she'll carry her pain.